0: When you realize what your future can be, you want to do it right. UCF online offers more than 100 fully online programs, plus personalized support from success coaches, so you can get to the future that's right for you.
1: From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning. And the University of Louisville's Delphi Center for Teaching and Learning. I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson, and you, dear friends, are listening
0: to TopCast, the Teaching Online
1: Podcast.
0: Wait a Hello. second! I listen.
1: I listen to that podcast now and again. Do you? I hear it's good. I hear it from that's myself. What I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard. I heard
0: that. I'm. I, I always joke about. You know. Yeah, that's what my mom says. But my mom's never listened to this podcast <laughs> not once. <laughs> I don't know if my mom has ever listened to a podcast, but um, if she listened to this one, she'd be hooked. I'm sure.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Well, um, we haven't said this in a while, but uh, to aid the hooking of relatively (laughs) new listeners, um, perhaps we should say that we do bill this show as a collegial conversation about online, blended, digital teaching and learning conducted over a shared cup of coffee. So there, we've said it. We haven't said it in a while.
0: That's right. So, if you're new to TOPcast, that's that's our shtick. sit over a cup of coffee, talk about interesting things with a colleague, pretend you're like at a conference and you're catching mm-hmm. up and having, having a spicy
1: dialogue. That's, that's what we're all about. And, you know, every once in a while, we do hear from colleagues who, you know, don't have a lot of team members, and so this serves as a bit of a virtual seat at the table and feels a little bit less lonely. Well, speaking of
0: virtual, Kelvin, I wonder if you'll indulge me because you are now, uh, well, I guess we are now virtual. But um, you you have uh, departed from the location where we used to record this together. Yes. Yes. And as such, (laughs) we today, the day we're recording this, have posted a position. To try to somewhat fill the Kelvin-shaped hole, in you're kicking the me off the podcast, Tom. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, oh okay. Uh, okay. okay but, I feel uh, but your your day job uh, oh, at oh, the University oh. of Central Florida, your former position. Yeah. So, anybody listening, uh, if you are interested. Um, and think it would be pretty cool to work at the University of Central Florida in a really important key leadership role, um, I would encourage you to, to, to check out the UCF job site for Assistant Vice Provost for Digital Learning.
1: Yeah, we'll put a link learning. in the show notes, uh, and uh, I'd recommend it. Um, <laughs> you won't find uh, better people to work with, well, except for these that i work with now.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: But you certainly, yeah. uh, you couldn't go wrong uh, there. Uh, great people, great work, great university. Um, look, it wasn't, it wasn't for lack of that that, that uh, I left. You know, sometimes you look at things and you're like, well, I think I might be able to make more of a difference there than here, and that was a big part of the reason that, uh, that we picked up stakes and uh, moved out of state, but uh, it's not for any lack in yeah. the the work and the team. I'd recommend it. Well, thank you
0: for saying that. And I feel the same way about my previous employer. I I loved it there. I didn't move to UCF because I was unhappy. It was just a mm-hmm, it was an opportunity mm-hmm. that, um, that that presented itself. And yeah, you know, hey, we're all happy for you, Kelvin. Um, but we're also grateful that you're you're helping us spread the word so that we can we can find somebody awesome to join
1: us. So, yeah, yeah. thank you
0: for indulging me on that yeah. little shameless plug.
1: So, uh, you know, I see all kinds of, like, technology stuff and all that. You have beverage to drink there, Dr. Kavanaugh? I do. You may have seen me pick this up. Oh, I'm oh, going ice with the iced coffee again oh, I see.
0: today, yeah, because yes. uh, it it's, it's warm for February <laughs> in Orlando. <laughs> um,
1: What's the temperature yeah. there?
0: Uh, it's like upper eighties and uh, very sunny. Um, I mean, it's lovely, but it's warm for February. It's but yeah. it's it's really nice. Yeah. So hey, if you're listening to this in Minnesota and you're thinking about it, you want to be an
1: assistant vice <laughs> provost,
0: <laughs> sorry. Last one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Way to way to leverage the weather. Uh, yeah, we had it was it was it was up to seventy a day or two ago here. It was uh it was there were people, you know, students walking around with. T-shirts and shorts on, flip-flops, you know, they're like, hey, it's like Florida here. Like, yeah. well, not exactly, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, my coffee is warm because it is a little cooler outside. Uh, and if you'd like to know, I will tell you that uh, in the thermos, this is a single-origin Guatemala Los Volcanes from a local Louisville roaster called, I'm going to try this yet again, Cenergos, Cenergos. Coffee. It's kind of taken me a while to get my pronunciation even up to that low level, Um, and I'm still not completely sure it's correct. They actually have merchandise with all the various ways that people pronounce and mispronounce (laughs) the name of the coffee company. But according to the company's website, the company coffee derives its name from a Greek word first used in the first century to refer to relational collaborative service. Uh, And they continue, quote, we continue to trace the Sunergost theme throughout the development and operation of our company, unquote. Um, I will say, this is the one time I can ever remember saying, Tom, that I'm really glad you're not sharing this cup of coffee with me um, because I screwed it up this morning. I've been drinking it anyway, um, but I had no time to fix it. And um, I had to get out the door. So, I made the coffee with half the amount of grounds that I was supposed to, Ah. which puts me in mind of the only Abraham Lincoln coffee quote that I know. I might have cited this before. It was on the wall of uh, West Bean Coffee in San Diego a few years ago. Uh, According according to the wall on the the café, Abraham Lincoln once said, if this is tea, bring me coffee. If this is coffee, bring me tea. And that's <laughs> that's how this is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Usually, you you brew a, uh, a, a fairly robust cup of coffee, um, and so yeah, this would this would not be a Kelvin-esque cup of coffee, T- yeah. tea like
1: tea yeah. esque So um, it's uh, it's it's a lot better than I expected it to be, uh, it, but it, that's no reflection on the roaster. It's just my brewing. Uh, but I wonder what you think of the connection to today's topic. All right. So I keyed in on—what um, did you say?
0: Relational and uh, collaborative? collaborative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's the hook for me because yeah. we're going to be talking about uh, topics related
1: to those, those ideas. That's right. And the bonus connection is, and uh, you know what? Results may vary. <laughs> yeah. I can see that, too. Or maybe you get out what you put in. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so, we have been talking um, a little bit in between recordings about um, how our field is made up of many diverse roles. Uh, we've t- we talk about those from time to time—teaching um, faculty, instructional designers. Um, Administrative leaders, we talk about those a lot. But also marketing professionals, success coaches, technologists, developers, all kinds of people. And the field in which we all participate continues to shift and evolve. So continual learning and professional development is important for everyone involved in online education, and we thought we might talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, and I had been kind of reflecting on the value I got out of uh, professional associations, <laughs> um, and and think that if you're if you're not participating in some of these professional mm-hmm. organizations, you're probably shortchanging yourself because my experience has been to to a, a person they've been highly uh, you know encouraging, open, welcoming. Um, You could just be a new person and just say, hey, I'm new, how can I participate? And you'll have five people jumping in saying, hey, welcome, and here's a committee you can join or you can volunteer to review proposals or, I mean, whatever. There's there's a million ways to get involved and everybody's glad to have you. But it's not just about giving back to some of these organizations, which is, I think, part of professional responsibility, but it's also you get things out of it. I learn things, I have, you know, Colleagues and friends now all across the country at different institutions, um, and um, and a network of people that you can call, um, which I do on occasion, mm-hmm. when you have questions or you just want to kind of bounce something off somebody, or you know you you want to have a, a kind of a, a private conversation outside of your own institution. Mm-hmm. I find that really valuable.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. Um, I might say. I think your point's well taken about professional associations. And I might say that professional associations maybe form the core uh, around which an array of professional development opportunities or experiences uh, uh, orbit or maybe it radiates or whatever. I mean, so I'll, I'll list a couple. Maybe we can kind of riff on some of these. So, Certainly, there's formal educational opportunities—formal, semi-formal—whether those are certificates or degrees or or micro-credentials. There's that kind of thing uh, offered by institutions or other uh, entities. Um, There's professional associations or organizations we talked about. There's kind of—we sometimes talk about the, the field or the community or whatever. And That emerges, I think, out of the intersection of all those professional associations and roles that everybody's in, but that community field is aided a lot by the professional associations. And then you you said the word network, right? Building a network and maintaining it. That also is (laughs) nurtured by the existence of those organizations. And then maybe formal mentoring, which, look, I guess could happen uh, wherever there are two willing people. But more likely than not, you got connected because you both were part of some association or something. I, I, I right. think, but yeah. um, I don't know. Do you want, do we want to just center in on some of the benefits of the professional association, or do you have anything you want to say about any of those other um, well, constructs? Well, I'll, I'll add maybe one other one other.
0: I don't know. Circle in the concentric mm-hmm. circles, um, and that is uh, affinity groups. Uh, brought yeah. together by um, sort of a shared mission mm-hmm. uh, or or enemy, <laughs> as mm-hmm. the case may be. So, I'm thinking about, you know, the the most recent interview we had, which was with Joseph Rekalme. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to know Joseph because we were both in similar roles within the state right. university system of Florida. Mm-hmm. And um, besides all the normal things of kind of... Managing an online unit and trying to look ahead and position your organization and go try to secure resources and everything, but we also had the same requirements for state reporting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. governance and mm-hmm. dealing with our boards and all of the things that mm-hmm. kind of only if you're in the Florida system do you deal with right, 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 right. Um, and and so I think that group of twelve of us or more um, have. Have been able to to rely on each other informally um, over the years uh, in in various ways. It's not like an official group necessarily, but in some ways it functions as one, and and that's been that's been really valuable too. I know that there are similar things within the athletic conferences. Mm. So like the I know the. The SEC has a group of distance learning leaders. Um, I've n- I'm now part of the Big 12 distance learning leaders group, which has been really enjoyable, the couple of meetings that I've joined virtually. Um, and, and others. I know the Big 10 had something for a while, if they don't still. And, um, and and those can be really useful too because you're talking to like institutions who have similar challenges. And um, and it's, a, it's good to either just validate the things you're dealing with or get ideas on how to um, how to address some some stuff.
1: Yeah, that's good. That, that kind of I don't know what we call that a, a different kinds of a different kind of cross sectioning of relationships and network and and so forth, right? Whether geographic or some kind of loose assemblage. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. Um You want to talk a little bit more, zoom in a little bit about professional associations and um, some of the benefits thereof, some of the distinctives even?
0: Sure. Um, So, as as I think about it, uh, a lot of times these these professional organizations have kind of a a charism of sorts. It's almost Mm -hmm. like when you think of them, sometimes a particular specialty pops into mind. Now, that may not necessarily be fair because they they do more than just this one thing that you might mm-hmm. think of off the top. Of your, it's a right. little reductive to describe them that way. Right. Right. But I do think it's helpful to understand, well, why would you belong to all of them <laughs> like mm-hmm. we do, mm-hmm. right? Because there's different slices of value. You get more from one than another, mm-hmm. perhaps. So, if you think about um, WCET, great organization, they are awesome when it comes to policy. And mm-hmm. I think that they're probably one of the go-to places when it comes to distance learning policy. That's mm-hmm. not to say that others don't do policy, right. but I really see them as a, and th- that's all they do. That's certainly not all they do, but mm-hmm. I do see that as a as a real strength. Um, I would say Upsia has kind of carved a lane for themselves in in online learning leadership, uh, kind of the administrative colo role. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at OLC has been very strong for many years in both sort of leadership, but but maybe even more so in practice. You know mm-hmm. when they when they came up with sort of all of the, the you know the definitions and what's quality and the you know the all of the the um, the standards and stuff that they've kind of identified over the years. Um, it's just OLC makes me think of of really effective practice. In fact, they used mm-hmm. to have effective practice awards. Um, there are there's maybe more technical ones like one ed tech, and mm-hmm. we've had Rob mm-hmm. uh, Abel on this show yep. in an interview. Yep. Um, quality Matters, focusing mm-hmm. on on quality. Um there, Educause, which kind of covers maybe a little bit more technical, but leans into some of that same practice stuff when you talk about uh, ELI. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're if you're in a, a particular role, there might be other uh, organizations that um, that are meaningful to you. So, I'm thinking like if you're an instructional designer or you're working in a faculty center or something, the, you mm-hmm. know, the pod network is one mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. You, you probably should be a member. And so, mm-hmm. they all have kind of a, a, a place to play in this broad yeah. ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of overlap in the membership, mm-hmm. but, um, but there's different separate values you can, you can extract from each one
1: of these. And there are more. Yeah. I haven't listed yeah. them all. No, that's good. And I'm, I'm picturing as you're talking, I'm picturing a, you know, a set of intersecting circles, a, a bit of a Venn diagram, if you will, of, you know, there, there are definitely regions where various associations have shared kinds of emphases and yet um, unique distinctives uh, as well, and, and you know. You commented that, you know, well, why would you, you know, be a part of multiple, and it's because of these emphases. But then maybe one of the reasons that you, that you wouldn't do that is, you know, a lot of institutions, there isn't a whole lot of um, spare budget lying around, and so you pick an organization that you're going to, you know, lean into, and so um, it is helpful to kind of ring as much juice out of that fruit as you can, you know, I guess. And yeah. um, it's not unlike, I suppose, um, uh, institutional program offerings, right? You, you, you really want institutions to lean into unique distinctives, and yet, um, you know, if you're serving a community, um, then you, there are certain degree or certificate programs that you feel obligated to make available right you know rather than send potential students away somewhere else you know far away or whatever so it's maybe not unlike that but i agree we we owe a great debt to all of the professional associations that you named and various other ones that we have not identified right you 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 insert your favorite association in there somewhere dear listener and and write us and let us know what that what that is but they do form a bit of the nucleus to that uh, that that quote unquote fuzzy concept of community that we talk about so often, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely, and um, and you know, and I, f- I find the you know a lot of value in that in that community because you know it's funny um, at at you'll you'll find this at Louisville um, besides the kind of people on on your team. There's there's no other vice provost doing what you do, yeah, right. And so the network within your institution is pretty small for you to mm-hmm. kind of compare notes and you know talk about the unique challenges that you have on your plate. But there's a whole bunch of people out there at different institutions that have that, and so you can yeah. you can form that community and um, have some kind of trust based relationships and be a little vulnerable and say, hey, here's something I'm really struggling with. What are you doing at your institution? Mm-hmm. And and, and I have found that level of honesty um, has has yielded great results. Um, and when people have done it with me, um, I've, I've appreciated it and tried to honor that um, and offered, you know, whatever input I have to offer, um, hopeful that when I need it, I get it back.
1: Yeah, maybe we take a moment and, and talk about concrete steps like that. Um, you know, your your comment about, you know, reaching out makes me think of a mentor of mine many, many years ago said you really pretty much have to assume that you have to take the initiative, right? Because if you sit around waiting for somebody to reach out to you, um, you know, you're disappointed a lot, you know, because <laughs> you know, you're always looking for it and it never happens. So, and, and just assume that it's on you. And if you assume that it's on you, then, you know, good things happen and you get pleasantly surprised when somebody reaches out. So, take the initiative, you know? I mean, I think it can be daunting, for some who are newer to a field or newer to a role to reach out to somebody. Um, But I I find—I'm trying to think if I've ever run across a situation directly or indirectly where I've either experienced or heard that, you know, this person reached out and that person rebuffed them. I've never—I can't think of a single occurrence of that ever happening. Most people are, are very gracious.
0: I agree. Uh, I haven't. I haven't heard that either. N- not in this community. Not no. in this sort of online no. digital learning kind no. of continuing ed community. No. Uh, who knows? Maybe it happens in some. Academic other, discipline, other where view. some senior <laughs> right. professor like oh, I can't be <laughs> bothered. But um, I certainly haven't heard of it in our community. In fact, like I said earlier, I, I think this is a super welcoming, open yeah. community, and they're they're glad to have new people and you know new ideas. And uh, yeah, as you said, you kind of all you have to do is just raise your hand. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's there's a there's a space, no matter what level you want to get involved, even if it's sort of at a low level. Like I only have time to do this thing, or, hey, I want to be, you know, on the board or
1: whatever, um, and, and everything in between that. You've—I uh, think you've mentioned this before uh, on the podcast, but you—maybe you still are, I'm not sure—but you you were a part of something that had loop in its name. Do you want to kind of describe that a little bit?
0: Yeah, it was something Ed Surge ran for a while that I, that I enjoyed. Um, it's funny, sort of as an introvert, I, I kind of went into a, you know, I stretched a little to say, okay, I'll try this. Um, and it was, it was 30 minutes of unstructured conversation where you sign up and you kind of put like a little Google doc profile of yourself and everybody does that. And then the, the coordinators at, at Ed Surge would connect two people that they thought they'll have an interesting conversation. They don't know each other. Let's, put them together and nobody sat in on it. it they just gave you a uh, kind of a platform that you both logged into. So it was sort of a neutral vision, video like this, like Zoom platform. Mm-hmm. And you just had a 30-minute conversation. And I always <laughs> I always thought, how am I gonna fill 30 minutes with somebody I don't know? And like, what is it gonna be? Mm-hmm. And every single time I did it, we were like, you know, looking at the clock going, wow, um, I can't believe 30 minutes has flown by. Because mm-hmm. they, be- they were always really interesting conversations. And you didn't have to do it, right? You could sign up at the beginning of the week. And I found that um, as time went on, I often didn't because I was mm-hmm. just busy. Because it was always like Fridays at 10 mm-hmm. or 3 or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just, I'm like, all right, I'm booked. All <laughs> right, I am like alright i am booked right? i can not I just can't do it. Um, but when I could do it, I did try to sign up. And I had conversations with people um, literally all over the world. Like people in Mexico and Across the country, and it was fascinating, and I, I actually thought it was really good. And I've, I've, the couple of connections I've maintained to this day.
1: I, I ask asked about it for two reasons, really. One, and thank you. Uh, one, we could probably do more of that. I actually did see something in person several years ago that was like that. It might have been at an Educause meeting. It was in person. They had like a uh, like a conference room with little conversational tables, and if you signed up for a slot, you could sit across the table from somebody, and you know, it was catch as catch can. Um, but, but one, we could probably do more of that. Other, you know, associations or individuals setting something like that up. Secondly, though, uh, I remember you talking about that years ago, and I remember contemplating whether I'd want to do that or not, and it was just, I don't know, it was just too much of a lift for me at the time to think about going through the whatever sign-up process there was, it was probably click a button and put your name in, but that was too much for me at the time. Um, so, I took on more. And, um, you know, I made a, like a Google spreadsheet that I called Kelvin's Loop-In Network, and I just started listing um, people that I already knew <laughs> that I was having a hard time keeping up with and just Made a list, and the last time that I talked to them and contact info, and and made a point of reaching out, you know, back to that uh, take initiative thing, and I could kind of keep track of when's the last time I reached out to that person, and and you know, sometimes it would land, and sometimes it wouldn't, but it was one concrete way of nurturing that that network. But it That's was inspired a great idea. by your your thing, though.
0: Yeah, it's sort of. Um... Sort of like stay interviews instead of exit interviews, right? It's yeah, like that's right. Let me continue to cultivate and nurture my existing network instead of just trying to grow. Um, that I think there's value in that too, and I, that's probably something I I could use a lot of work
1: at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, another construct that um, maybe not directly applicable, but it, maybe it's inspiring. I, I've uh, it's gone through a couple of iterations. I think it was a colleague on one of the faculties of the Educause Institutes, maybe Liev Yestvong or somebody, shared this. It's a mentor map, Um, and uh, I think the version I saw was from the National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity, and that's gone through a few iterations. But imagine a, a kind of a node, network, mental map kind of a structure, and these different kinds of facets of one's professional life. Um, maybe scholarly pursuits and uh, professional skills, and then you can kind of subdivide those out. And it's a way to categorize who is playing a mentoring role, an input role for you in that area. Mm. And it's a really interesting place. Like if you don't have somebody, then maybe maybe you go look for somebody you know, to, to play that role. But the, the categories that they had. Uh, it's you know more uh, teaching research faculty focused, but it's a it's a it's a starting point. You know, it's an inspirational uh, place to think. Well, what should those domains be for me? And do I have somebody play in that role? And if not, where where can I go look? And I think that's a good construct as well, a good tool to help. That's that's a really
0: interesting idea. I can think about it just from like a a leadership standpoint. It's like okay, um, I I need help in I don't know budget management, right? Mm -hmm. So you could find a budget Mm -hmm. management mentor, or and or I I am not great having difficult conversations with employees. Mm -hmm. So, you could find somebody to help you with that or, you know, whatever the case might be, there might be half a dozen things associated with just leadership that could, be, that could be shored up by mm-hmm. expanding your network um, with, with mentors. That's a really interesting
1: idea. Speaking of mentors, maybe you could talk about this a moment, Tom, by way of illustration. Um, At my former institution, your current institution, um, you and some other colleagues initiated a formal mentoring program uh, within your division. Um, That might be a good way to illustrate a formal mentoring role. Like, what are some of the principles that work there?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, credit to Anita Gabbert, who was really the the force behind that, Um, and I was happy to support it. And and it turned out to be pretty popular. Um, But it wasn't just, although this was a part of it. It wasn't just the sort of formal, senior person, more junior person mentoring relationship. I did a little of that with some folks, um, which was which was great. <clears throat> but it was also maybe more asymmetrical kind of mentoring, where we had more senior people being mentored by more junior people on specific tasks or skills, like. Programming PHP or mm-hmm. you know or um, or more lateral kind of things, such as we had somebody learning digital marketing from uh, our AVP in charge of marketing for UCF online. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it turned out to be, I think really fruitful because it was it was a much more of a holistic approach where different people were getting different things from very different people, and even junior people were having the opportunity to serve as mentors for more senior people, which is a great yeah. kind of growth opportunity
1: for them. Yeah. I think that's good. And thanks for, for sharing that. And I think it just goes to illustrate that everybody has something to offer and every everybody has something to learn. Yep. Mentoring's hard. I sometimes talk about passive mentors, right? The people that don't know you but you know them uh, and you you listen to their podcast or YouTube channel or whatever, where you read their books or their blogs or follow them on social media or something and and benefit from them. Um, But what we're talking about here is a more active mentoring role, Uh, and you know it helps to—it's hard to reach out. It takes force of will. It takes a good match. It's helpful to bound. How long are you going to do this for? Do you have goals? It's not like you're asking to be in a... Intensive relationship for the rest of your life. You're, you know, maybe we can uh, say that we're going to do this for, you know, the next three months, and we're going to meet monthly, you know, and and or something. You have some kind of goal. Those are things that I I learned from the structuring of uh, this program that that you supported, that Anita uh, initiated. But anyway, those those are a bit of uh, uh, concentric circles around uh, kind of the the community at which. Uh, the core is formed by these professional associations, and and uh, I don't know. We thought that it would be good just to kind of talk about ongoing growth and development. Anything you want to add before we try to land this plane? No. There's
0: probably more to say, but we've run out of time. I think we've, we've hit the highlights and, and just really underscore how important I think community is.
1: Well, if you don't mind, I will try to put us on the ground safely sure. uh, with no parachutes. Uh, <laughs> So, I will try to sum it up thusly. As online education professionals, we are in the business of promoting access to lifelong learning experiences. However, in our field, it is imperative that we actually practice continuous improvement through intentional growth and development. How's that? That is good. That is true. Uh, I agree. I endorse that
0: bottom line. So before we kind of throw it to the outro here, um, maybe uh, I can throw in a plug. Sure. So Kelvin, as you know, Mm -hmm. we sometimes hear from listeners who take specific episodes and then they bring together discussion groups around them kind of like a book discussion group might be or reading circles, but with kind of an audio Mm -hmm. video feel instead. Mm -hmm. So dear listener or watcher, um, would you consider inviting some colleagues to meet and discuss? one or more topcast episodes with you. The entire topcast catalog is available online at topcast.online.ucf.edu. Maybe, if I might make a suggestion, a recent one on Chat GPT might be <laughs> of interest. I've shared that one around a lot, even here at UCF already, yeah. Yeah. and um, it's been getting some interest.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely true. We do hear that. And and I think I don't know, certain topics Sometimes I see two things. I see uh, sort of topics de jour, like a chat GPT it gives it gives a, a springboard right It gives a little bit of focus to a conversation uh, and then some things are more perpetual uh, topics, perpetual themes that you 're trying to form a foundation of sure. or something. you know you maybe have one or two episodes on that, and you kind of it, it starts you on a trajectory i 've seen both people talk about and yeah we'd we'd love it if you would make use of that
0: yeah let us know you know grab your sandwich and your group and 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 look and if if it worked out and you had a big enough group and we could arrange it we'd be happy to even maybe kind of participate in a capstone sort of thing've we've, we've done that sort of thing before too yeah. so yeah that's fun actually yeah yeah all right so thank you, Kelvin until next time I'm Tom I'm Kelvin. See ya.